Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Just started playing video games with my son, and uh, it's a great age to be at if you have little kids and you grew up as a gamer, as, as we gamers call each other. And, uh, and uh, he's at that level now where when he starts losing, he just re- hits the reset button. And I'm like, I remember pulling that move off when I was his age, and now he's doing it. And uh, a part of me gets upset because I really like to win, but the other part of me is like, he really understands Jesus, I think, because... <laughs> I think it's just, I think you ought to know that there is a reset button in heaven, and it's just, and it's, but it's not reset. It's, it's, it's J-E-S-U-S, and every time you press him, every time you press in, every time you reach out, he's like, zero, zero. <laughs> Let's go again. You might have lost yesterday with your boss. Let's, go, let's try again. You might have gotten into an argument with your children or your spouse yesterday, but let's go ahead and go again. He's a good God, guys, with a reset every single morning. Amen. Amen. Well, turn to three people and tell them Happy New Year. High five them. Three high fives for every word. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Amen. This is the last time you are legally allowed to say that. Don't Happy New Year me February 2nd, okay? I don't know what your problem is, but you had a whole month to greet me, and uh, you failed. So this is it. It's your last chance. Come on. It's the first Sunday of the year, guys. I'm pumped. Anybody excited to be at church today, the first Sunday of the year? I'm so pumped because I know that today we are seeing a bunch of new faces at church, and, and I'm excited because, you know, church people, you're not like the gym people. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that get the subscriptions and they join for like two weeks, you know? And I know that's not you. I know that this year God is doing something real in your heart, sincere in your heart, and I'm excited that you've chosen Journey Church to be a part of that journey. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is JJ, and if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, that probably means you're a first-time guest, which, which just excites me and our church so much because that means you are so special. You have no idea how special you are to us. We, we pray that your experience with us today is, is warm, that somebody greeted you on the way in, that you got a hug or a high five. We are a hugging church here. Uh, we try and counsel people to hug, you know, no more than three seconds. There's a rule there. If you were hugged longer than three seconds, that person probably likes you and uh, you might want to get their digits after church. Anyway, um, no, really just glad that you're here. Journey Church, I know we did this one already, but can we let all of our guests know how glad we are that they made it to their church on the first Sunday of the month. Come on. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Well, I have got a ton of vision. I have got a ton to share with you about this year and this time next year. We've got a brand new series. But before we look forward, I want to take just a second to look back. I want to look back seven days. For those who weren't here last Sunday or for those who are first-time guests at our church, every once in a while at church, we do this thing called Baptism Sunday where people go public with their faith and they make a declaration to the world, their family and friends, that God is doing something new and special in their life. And last Sunday, we had baptisms. We got some pictures here of some people who went all the way in with their faith. And I'm excited 
for these people. And, uh, and I'm excited also because I'm a big numbers guy, all right? And uh, numbers matter to me. We, we measure everything at Journey Church because every number is a person, every person is a story, and every story matters to God. And uh, one of the numbers that I thought would be cool to share with you, and I shared it last Sunday, but if you weren't here, uh, up until last Sunday, we had 99 people baptized in Journey Church in the year of 2019. That's a real odd number to stay at. And so we would pray as a staff that we would baptize just one more person. We didn't need 20, just one more so we could be over 100, and that would be pretty cool for the year. Considering that our very first year as a church, we baptized, drumroll please, 12 people. It was a fake drumroll. It was rhetorical. 12 people. We baptized 12 people in a year in our first year of the church, and we went ham over that. We went crazy over that. We loved that. Um, but this year, uh, last Sunday, we baptized 52 people at Journey Church for a total of 151 people baptized in 2019. Come on, you can give God better praise than that. Yeah. And if you're new to church, here's why, here's why we're so excited about that, because we know what those numbers mean. Every one of those numbers is a story of life change. And I want to share with you one of those stories from a young woman who was baptized last Sunday. Today, December 29, 2019, I gave everything I have to God. I committed myself to living a life he has made for me. I've chosen to love him and do all things through him. A year ago, I was lost and in pain. I didn't want to be here at all. I didn't want to be alive at all. I knew I needed help, and the only place I could be healed was going home, home to God. So today, I got baptized at Journey Church, and I can't express how happy I am to have found my home. God has big things planned for me. This is my favorite part of her testimony. And 2020 ain't even ready for what God's about to do in my life. 2020 ain't ready for the blessing. It ain't ready for the miracles. It ain't ready for the breakthrough. It ain't ready for the war I'm about to unleash on hell and all of his devils and demons. It ain't ready. And uh, uh, you can tell I'm excited about this year. And so, and so I'll tell you what, man, I, I love these stories. And I just wanted to show you this to say thank you to anybody who's ever reposted anything on social media, to anybody who's ever shared uh, uh, an invitation with somebody, handed somebody an invite card, to anybody who's ever put a dime in the offering bucket when it passed by. This is not my victory. This is our victory as a church. We get to share in these stories. I hope when you put your head on your pillow tonight, you will put it on that pillow knowing I am making a difference in the the lives of other people. Amen? Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. 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 Looking forward. Also, tomorrow we start 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, yeah, it depends where you are right now, whether you're excited about that or not, where you are spiritually. I'm going to give you some more uh, kind of directions on fasting at the end of this sermon, but I will tell you that uh, it's, it's powerful. I'm going to encourage you to do it. We're going to break it down in four different ways that like it doesn't matter what level of discipline you have, anybody can engage in this fast, even at its smallest, smallest, smallest level. But I also want to invite you to come out Wednesday night, this Wednesday, for the, for the month of January, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at Memorial Chapel, which is the, the, the church on Rollins College, not too far from here. We're going to be having prayer service. It's just one hour, 7 to 8. And uh, again, when we first started our church, we had maybe six or seven or 12 people come to prayer service, our very first one. We've been doing 21 days since the beginning. And last uh, last time we did this in August, it was packed in that church, and it's a pretty big church, and so I'd love to invite you to come. It's a special hour. It's going to touch your soul. It's going to, there's things that, it's hard to explain if you're, if you're new to faith, but there are certain things that really only prayer can do, 
There are things that, that only the person who made you knows how to fix because he made you. And the prayer is that opportunity to give God that opportunity. And finally, um, I know it's early. I know that we're not even in February yet, but I want to tell you about February 2nd. It is the first February of the first Sunday in February. We're starting a brand new series then uh, called Last, and it's our Love, Sex, and Marriage series. And here's why we talk about this series. It's our most popular series. Uh, it's most people come first time. Raise your hand if you came to church during this series at some time. Love, sex, and marriage. Bunch of hands is in the back. Bunch of hands all over. Amen. Keep your hand up if you were single, but you're not single. I'm just playing. Don't do that. <laughs> Somebody's like, I'm still single, bro. If that's you, this time next year. Amen. Amen. <laughs> No, honestly, it's a great series for you to come if you're single, if you're engaged, if you're married, if you're divorced, if you're separated. It's a great series. I think it's going to bless you. And I start talking about it now because uh, it's impactful. So but anyway, but I want to get into this time next year. I'm excited about this brand new series that we're going to be doing in the month of January. And I'm excited because we're teaching it in 2020, but it's really a sermon series about 2021. If you've never read the Bible before, you might have heard this, that God created the earth in seven days. How many people know that? Well, if God created the earth and the universe in seven days, imagine what he can do in your life if you gave him 365. That's my question. That's the premise. If we give God 12 months, I know you're here and it's January, but if you keep coming, if you give God 12 months, if you give him every day, if you come in on this fast, if he can create the universe in seven, I think he can change your world. I think he can create a new world in you in 365. And we're going to start this series off with the foundational scripture. It is the inspiration. It is the foundation of what I want to talk about today. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 17, we're telling the story of a man named Elisha. He is a prophet of God, and he is uh, traveling in his ministries, and he meets this rich woman who lives in a town named Shunem. And this is where we pick it up. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, where a rich woman lived. She invited him to a meal, and from then on, every time he went to Shunem, he would have his meal at her house. And she said to her husband, I am sure that this man who comes here so often is a holy man. So let's build a small room on the roof, put a bed, put a table, put a chair, put a lamp. By the way, they didn't buy that stuff at Ikea. You need to know that, okay? When he say put it, what she really means is build it. So there's sacrifice involved here. Build this thing so that whenever this man comes, he can visit us. Verse 11, one day, Elisha returned to Shunem and went up to his room to rest. And he told his servant Gehazi to go and call the woman. And when she came, he said to Gehazi, Ask her what I can do for her in return for all the trouble she has had in providing for our needs. Do you know that generosity puts God in a position where you don't ask him for things, but he asks you? This woman was sacrificing for the man of God who was a symbol and an image of the Lord. And because of her sacrifice, the man of God who was an image of God then looks at the woman and says, okay, enough's enough. What can I do for you? And I say that because I want to say thank you again to all those who participated in our Don't Hold Back offering. That's why I'm so excited about 2020 because I know that you have placed God in a position where he's going to be like, all right, but what can I do for you this year? Maybe she would like me to go to the king or the army commander, and put in a good word for her. But she said, nah, I got everything that I need right here. Verse 14, Elisha asked Gehazi, do you know what I can do for her? And he answered, well, she don't have, she don't have a need for money. She has money. She's rich. She got a nice house. Her, she got a husband. She got, she got slaves and servants. What she doesn't have is a son. And her husband is an old man. Well, then tell her to come here, Elisha ordered. And she came and stood in the doorway, and Elisha said to her, by this time next year, 
you will be holding a son in your arms. Oh, no, (laughs) she exclaimed. Please, sir, don't lie to me. You are a man of God. But as Elisha had said, at about that time the following year, she did give birth to a son. This series is going to be a talk on faith. And I need you to understand a couple things about faith. Um, Because some people think when bad things happen and we act a certain way that we don't have faith, especially if you're not a Christian. But the truth is we have faith, but faith takes two forms. Faith has two forms. Say two forms. It's the same faith, it just takes two forms, a lot like H2O. H2O is the molecular compound for water, and water has different forms. One of the forms that water can take is liquid. Somebody's running to the bathroom right now. Another form that water can take is ice. Now, sometimes faith takes a liquid form, or I call it fluid faith. And I call it fluid faith because it's flexible. It was this shape in this container, but when I poured it into this container, it took on that shape because it's the kind of faith that can adapt to its circumstances. So it doesn't matter what you throw at me because whatever you throw at me, I got the kind of faith to adapt to whatever you throw at me. We see three examples of this in the scripture. We see one time where where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three young men are about to get thrown to the fire and they refuse to kneel down to the king and that's why they're about to get thrown to the fire and then they start preaching to the king and he says, God, will save us. That's, that's, that's powerful. But do you know what he says right after that? But he, but he might not. <laughs> that's what they said. They said, but he, but he might not. <laughs> and then they said, but even if he doesn't, I want you to know I'm not kneeling. That's fluid faith. I don't know if he'll save me. I don't know if he won't. But either way, I ain't going nowhere. My faith has adapted, but I still, I'm still full. I still got my, I'm still full of faith. Another time, we see Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan was the son of the king Saul of Israel, and they're about to fight some Philistines. And it's just him and his boy, the armor bearer. And there's 20 Philistines with legit weapons, and Jonathan and his armor bearer got like, like forks and spoons. And, and this is all in your Bible. And, and they're there, and they're about to, it's true. And they're there, and the, and the armor bearer looks at the people, and Jonathan looks at the 20. They're hiding behind a rock, and Jonathan says, let's get them. And the armor bearer is holding his spoon, and <laughs> Jonathan's holding his fork, and the armor bearer is like, you think? We can take him. And then, and, then, and then Jonathan looks at him. You know what he says? He goes, maybe. I don't really know. He said, but there's only one way to find out. Charge! <laughs> Running with the fort. And they defeated all 20. But before they knew for a fact that they were going to defeat all 20, that was fluid faith. Maybe faith. I don't know. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe he won't. Paul was on death row, and God had not revealed to him if he was going to die or not. So he writes a book to the Philippians, and he says, listen, he goes, I don't know. He goes, I might die right now, or I might live. And then he says, and honestly, I don't know which one is better. Because if I live, I can start more churches, and I can write more books of the Bible. But if I die, I can get out of here and go to heaven. I kind of want to go to heaven, but I kind of want to help you. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to die. But either way, he says, I will not be ashamed because I know I serve a God who's got my back. It's a, it, this is a powerful, fluid faith is a powerful faith because it's a reactive faith. 
And that's not a bad term. We don't like that term. Don't be reactive. Be proactive. But, you know, it takes faith to be reactive sometimes, to react the right way when the wrong thing happens. That's faith. You know, maybe, maybe he's the one. Maybe she's the one. I don't really know. If they're the one, thank you, Jesus. If they're not, thank you, Jesus. That's fluid faith. Maybe I'll get the job. Maybe I won't get the job. If I get it, amen. If I don't, it's because you got something better. I know you do. Maybe, maybe, maybe this will happen. I'm not sure how it'll happen, but, but I, my faith will. I'm going to go to the doctor. I got a lump. Maybe the lump is benign. Maybe it's malignant. I'm not sure. If it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's benign, thank you, Jesus. If it's malignant, I can't wait to see how you're going to use it for your glory. Either way, I'm going to adapt because I'm fluid. I got fluid faith. Let me tell you something about fluid faith. Fluid faith frustrates the devil. Oh, he hates fluid faith because there's nothing you can do. You can't kill. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You, you can't kill. Ah! You know, like there's nothing. You, you can't kill. Fluid faith. As a matter of fact, every time the devil tries to hurt you, he ends up helping you. Like, he's going to try and mess you up. <laughs> but every time he tries to mess you up, he realized all he did was stir you up. Ooh. And he said, I should have left them alone. Because when I wasn't bothering their family, when I wasn't messing with their kids, when I wasn't messing with their wives, when I wasn't messing with their money, they were stagnant. They didn't care. They were just standing still. But once I started messing with them, they started praying. They started declaring a fast. They started going to church. They got in a small group. Man, I'm not a messed up. I done messed up. He'll try and put a fire underneath you and boil you. But when he boils you, all the suffering just turns into worship. It just reaches heaven. It just goes high. And God smells the worship as the suffering comes in. Sometimes he'll send haters in your life. He's like, I can't, I can't stir them up. I can't boil them. I'm going to send somebody to wipe them out. This is good preaching. And so he tries to wipe you out. But guess what happened? Every time that person was sent to wipe you out, they couldn't kill you. They just absorbed what you had because what was on you got on them. And they said, oh, my God, how'd you have faith like that? How'd you get through that battle? I came here to destroy you. But the way I saw you handle that hate, oh, my God, I want what you got. How, what is it? What is it? And you'd be like, Jesus, Holy Spirit, join the church. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, give me some of that. They'll try, but it's just going to get on them. Have you ever tried? Have you ever repaid evil with good? That person who's receiving the good is like, oh, why can't I hurt you? You can't. You can only absorb me. You can only absorb me. That's powerful. That's fluid faith. But there's another form of faith. I don't call it fluid faith. I call it firm faith. It's firm faith because it's rigid. It's firm faith because it's definite. It's It's hard. It's for sure. This is the kind of faith that Elisha used. He said, this time next year. How many people know he is not like a cheap fortune teller? You know, he could have been like, one day. One day you'll be holding a baby in your arm. He could have said that, you know, and given himself some, some leeway. But he said, this time next year. That's tough because it can be anywhere from seven to nine months. So really, she only got four months to get pregnant. But he didn't care. His faith was what? Firm. Firm faith is powerful. Firm faith is not reactive. Firm faith is proactive because you can do things with firm faith. It's, it's, it's action. It's actionable, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous because you can do damage with ice. You might not know that because you live in Florida. <laughs> but I grew up in New York, 
And in New York, we have this magical substance called snow. <laughs> now, let me tell you something about snow. We would have these things called snowball fights. And uh, there's certain rules to these snowball fights. Two rules to be exact. Rule number one, don't hit nobody in the face. We're snowball or we fighting. Rule number two, you can throw snowballs, but you can't throw ice balls. Now, once again, you live in Florida. So let me explain <laughs> the chemistry here. <laughs> On the top layer, when snow falls, it's soft. But that creates a kind of a refrigerator on the bottom layer. So on the bottom layer of the soft snow is this hard, not snow, ice. And if you're a real mean kid, you'll dig underneath the soft snow, grab the ice snow, make it, and then peg somebody. And I remember there was this guy uh, named Bill. And Bill had a friend named Junior. And uh, Junior was a mean kid who always pushed the line. And Junior one day hit Bill in the head with an ice ball. And Bill was trying to get uh, Junior back, but Junior was too fast. And so but Bill, he was, he was conniving. Bill was, Bill was evil. I'm pretty sure Bill worshipped the devil. Bill, this is Bill. Because look what Bill did. Bill said, all right, I won't get you now. That was in December 1996. We had a big blizzard in New York in December 1996. He said, all right. And he took, he took the snow and he made a snowball and he put it in his freezer. Hey, <laughs> July 1997. It was 104 degrees outside. He knocked on Junior's door. Junior said, Bill. Bill said, shut up. Bam. Hit him in the head with, with an ice ball. He said, that's for December 1996. Went back inside. Hey, that's messed up. That's revenge. But sometimes you get so fed up, you got no choice but to throw stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And this is that kind of faith. When you get fed up with the devil messing with your family, when you get fed up with the devil messing with your finances, when you get fed up with the devil messing with your health, I'm tired of always being sick. I'm tired of always being anxious. I'm tired of waking up at three in the morning with this crazy depression and anxiety. You're no longer going to have my family, devil. You're no longer going to have my mind. In the name of Jesus. Ah! <laughs> I got you, Joe Moore. I got you, Joe Moore. That kind of faith, hear me, it's a weapon. There is a form of faith that can get you through things, but there is another form of faith that you fight with, and it's dangerous. But it's not just dangerous because you can fight with it. It's dangerous because in this form, something can happen to faith that can't happen to faith in this form. In this form, your faith can be crushed. I'd rather have faith like this because then no matter what happens, I'm like, glory, glory. <laughs> Glory, oh God Almighty. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the song, I just kept singing. <laughs> Blessed Trinity. Anyway. But in this form, oh, and that's why we don't want firm faith. Because to believe in something, if it doesn't happen, This is why the woman responded the way that she did. If I came up to you and, and you're single, and I'd be like, by this time next year, there's going to be a ring on that finger. What would you say? Amen. I receive it. Won't he do it? Yes, Lord. Do you know what the woman's response was? Can we throw up the verse? <laughs> you're going to have a baby. Oh, no. Oh, no, not amen, not yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. 
Oh, no. Please, sir, don't lie to me. You are a man of God. See, she was rich. She probably had been trying to get pregnant and hired every doctor in the town to try and help her get pregnant, but nothing worked. Here's what I believe about this woman. She had already succumbed to the disappointment of being childless. And she was finally coming to grips with this reality. And in the midst of accepting the disappointment and being with the reality, here comes this prophet with hope. And she goes, oh, no. I just started getting used to the idea of not having this baby. Don't you start planting hope where there was no hope. And I know this is true because, spoiler alert, that baby that she gets, guess what? He dies a couple years later. And when that baby dies, the woman goes back to the prophet and look what she says. The woman said to him, verse 28, sir, she is so gangster, sir, did I ask you for a son? Did I ask you? I feel like she's like this when she says it. Did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you not to what? I was fine before you came into my life. Here's what God told me to tell you. We would rather accept disappointment than experience it. We would. Because we think that by accepting disappointment, we're avoiding it. And so we say, you know, every time I try, I fail. So I'm just not going to try anymore. I'm going to accept disappointment so that I don't have to experience it. I'm single, and every time I try love, love hurts. So forget it. I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life. I'm not going to get married. I'm not tattooing nobody's name on my arm. I'm tattooing my name. I'm Joseph Hart Joseph. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to church. Why? Because when I go to church, I get better for a little bit, but then I go back to the old me, so I'm not going to go no more. I've done this prayer and fasting thing before, but when I did it, I only got better for a season, and then things got bad, so I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not going to try. And we think that by accepting disappointment, we're avoiding disappointment, but we're not avoiding disappointment. By accepting disappointment, we're avoiding the miracle. By accepting disappointment, we're avoiding success. By accepting disappointment, we're avoiding the victory, so we don't even want to get on, but, but you're missing what could happen. My son Zane just started roller skating. And uh, he, I say roller skating, but I use that term lightly. He puts the skates on, and this is how he roller skates. Y'all seen roller skates, right? And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm walking. I'm like, that's not how you roll in skates. I'm like, you gotta, you know, gotta, that's how you skate. That's how you skate, son. And he's like, I'd rather just walk. I said, why? He said, because I tried that and I fell. And I got hurt. So this is a lot safer. So he'll put on the helmet, the elbow pads, the knee pads. He'll strap them on. He'll go out into the cul-de-sac. And... I can't. I can't with that. I can't. I'm like, well, if all you're going to do is walk. Take them off. You could walk in your shoes, but if you're going to put them on, at, use what you got to the fullest of its capability. You don't got to go to church. You don't got to carry a Bible. 
You don't got to believe in God, but if we're going to carry it, and if we're going to believe it, can we believe it to its fullest capability? I'm just saying, let's stop walking and let's start riding. It's such a waste of potential to have this person called God with this person called the Holy Spirit living in our hearts and not use him to the utmost of his ability and his potential. If you got it, you might as well ride with it. Ride with it. Well, I can, I can, I can get fought. Well, then take it off. Honestly, I'm like, well, you know, I, I like coming to church because church makes me an optimist. You could be an optimist and an atheist. You don't need God to be an optimist. But here's the only thing God can do. Supernatural signs, wonders, miracles, healings, resurrection, power. Let's ride with this. Are you ready to ride? If you're ready to ride, say amen. amen. If you're ready to ride, I'm going to say some things. And it might hurt some people, but I'm going to say it. There's some people in this room. If you're ready to ride, you'll ride with me. There's some people in this room. You've been fighting an addiction for 30, 20, 15 years, your whole life. Hear me. Some people know, some people don't know. But by this time next year, you will find freedom. Someone in this room, a couple, you've been praying for a child. You've tried the fertility treatments. you got the app with the flower bloom on the dates. You know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. Nothing is happening. Month after month, year after year, no pregnancy. Hear me. By this time next year, you will be holding your child. Someone in this room today is fighting cancer. You've been going through the chemo treatments. You've gone vegan. Trying to fight it every way you know how. Nothing's working. You're about to give up hope. But by this time next year, you will be cancer-free. Someone in this building is wrestling with a debt. You got a debt that should, it takes 30 years to wipe out this debt. You've done the math. That's if you get a raise this December. Hear me, I know, they, I know, the, I know the financial specialist said it's going to take 30 years to wipe out this debt. But by this time next year, you will be debt-free. There's a couple in this room, hey, you downloaded the divorce papers onto your computer. You don't think there's any hope for your marriage. Just yesterday, you were Googling good divorce lawyers in Orlando. But by this time next year, you're going to be Googling good places to renew your vows in Orlando. Because God is going to do a miracle of restoration by this time next year. Somebody's got a family member that you've been praying to come back to Jesus. And this, this family member is bad. <laughs> like bad, bad. And you're like, there's no chance this person will ever come to church. By this time next year, they'll be joining you in your 21 days of prayer and fasting. By this time next year. Somebody's got a business, just started it, it's struggling. Feel like you're about to give up, you're not going to make it, you're about to close the doors. By this time next year, you're going to be in the black. And not just in the black, but you're going to be making a profit. To which you will increase your don't hold back offering. Amen. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Now, when I say that, you have one of two responses. Amen. Or, oh no. Don't tell me that, JJ, because I've just I was just getting used to, to, to living like this for the rest of my life. So don't tell me now that there's hope, because I don't know that I can survive the crushing. But hear me. 
The only thing more dangerous than living with hope is living hopelessly. That'll kill you faster. That'll rob you of more. You gotta have hope. And so it might be my faith that declares it over your life, but my prayer is that by the end of this sermon, at the end of this message, it won't be my faith that declares it, it'll be your faith that declares it. By the end of this sermon, you'll be saying, by this time next year, I believe it. If you're taking notes, I'm gonna give you four things, I'm gonna hit them real quick that are gonna help you by this time next year. Number one, by, do you wanna, if you wanna have this by this time next year faith, you must have faith in God's character before you can have faith in God's power. The woman made the room before Elisha did the miracle. Did you catch that? She praised him before he did what she needed in her life. She praised him before she, could even, before she even knew that he could do what she needed in her life. When you have confidence in God's character and who God is and what's on the inside of God, it gives you energy and strength to go into his presence with boldness. When you know he's a good, good father. The other day, I was swiping my credit card uh, to pay for something, and I'm the kind of guy, like, I know my limits on the credit card, and I know what's in my account. Some of y'all not like that. Some of y'all swipe the card, and it's like a prayer every time you swipe it. You're like, in Jesus' name, you know, in Jesus' name, you know, in Jesus' name. So I gave the person behind the guy behind the cash register my card, and, and he swiped it, and he says, it says insufficient funds. I said, swipe it again. So he swiped it again. He said, sorry, sir. It says insufficient funds. I said, swipe it again. He swiped it again. He said, sorry, sir. It says insufficient funds. I said, type in the number. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Type in the little number thing with a little inspiration. Do all that. He's like, oh. He typed in the number. Ching, ching. It went through. You know what gave me the confidence to keep swiping even though I wasn't seeing the product? I wasn't seeing the result? I knew what was in the account before I swiped it. Do you know what's in God's account? Do you know that inside of God there is nothing but goodness? That inside of God there is nothing but mercy? That inside of God there is nothing but hope and power? That inside of God, listen, that he's not a mean dad looking for ways to punish you, but that he is a generous father who is always looking for ways to bless you? When you know that about your God, that he's that kind of person, a generous father, boy, you up into there talk about can I get this can I get that can I get that because I know who you are I don't worship you for that this isn't a transaction this is the revelation of me knowing exactly who you are you're a good good father you're God almighty you got to have faith in who in God's character before you can have faith in God's power here's the next thing you got to have number two we're going to read really quickly verse 19 to 24 you'll see it the boy gets sick and the father tells the servant carry the boy to his mother the boy has a headache the servant carried the boy back to his mom, who held him in her lap until noon, 12 o'clock. And the servant carried, oh, at which time he died. Verse 21. So she carried him up to Elisha's room, put him on the bed, and left, closing the door behind her. Then she called her husband and said to him, send a servant here with the donkey. I need to go to the prophet Elisha. I'll be back as soon as I can. Look at verse 23. Why do you have to go today, her husband asked. It's neither Sabbath nor new moon festival. Can I translate that for you? Why are you going to church on a Wednesday? Why are you going to prayer on a Wednesday? Why are you going to a small group on a Thursday? It ain't church. Pastor ain't even going to be there. Why you take this so It's not practical. It don't make no sense. Look what the woman said. I told you she was gangster. Look what she said. Never mind. Oh, my. Oh. Don't you ever. I'm just playing. <laughs> you can say whatever you want to me. She said to her husband, she said, never mind. And she closed the door so that her husband wouldn't see what was happening in the room. Because when the husband had him, he was still alive. She's the only one who knows he's dead. 
She puts him in the room, closes the door, doesn't tell nobody, and the one person in her life who she's supposed to open up to, she doesn't, because this is one thing I know about her husband, her husband is a practical guy. He's asking practical questions. He's a business owner. He uses his mind. He's very logistical and very analytical. And she knows that if she gets in a conversation where her husband, before she gets to the prophet, her husband is going to talk her out of the faith that Elisha deposited in her. Are you ready for point number two? Never mind the practical people. There are people in your life who love you who want nothing but the best for you, who want to and are going to give you good advice. The only problem is their good advice goes contrary to God's promise over your life. And you can't blame them. They honestly want the best for you. The problem is they're thinking practically and not supernaturally. You can't listen to the practical people. They're not haters. They're not mad. They just want the best for you. They don't want you to get your hopes up so that you get hurt. And you're like, I'm sorry. I've got to get rid of that. I remember one time, Liz and I rolled into the McDonald's drive-thru. And in the McDonald's drive-thru, she embarrassed me so much. The, 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 the guy behind the uh, drive-thru said, what will you have today? And then before I could answer, she said, ask them what they have. For, ask them what the specials are. I said, I have never. drove to a McDonald's and asked them what the special was. This ain't Ruth Chris, girl. This ain't special. That's a dollar menu. It's already pretty darn special. How much more special can this get? She said, ask him for the special. I said, it's not practical. We're already getting nuggets. Four for a dollar. That's 25 cents a nug. It can't get no more special than that. She said, sometimes they have specials. Ask them about the special. I said, sir, <laughs> my wife, <laughs> in case you meet me when I pull up, yes, I'm the pastor of that church. No, I'm not starving. They, they, they pay me. I'm all good. My wife would like to know what the specials are. And I shook my head like, you're so silly, babe. And then he said, Sure. We got 20 nuggets for $3. It's a special we're only running today. I was like, y'all, we fed the whole family for $3. Don't let practical people talk you out of what's special. They're going to try and convince you that it's already as good as it's going to get. They're going to try and convince you not to reach higher. But you got to let them know, sorry, I don't serve a practical God. I serve a special God. I serve a supernatural God. And he can do above and beyond what you can think or imagine. So I'm going to ask and I'm going to press in because I believe he can do things above and more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. It might sound silly to you, but you don't know my God. It might sound silly to you, but you don't read my Bible. There's promises in this Bible. There's specials in this Bible. And I'm going to believe it with all my heart. I'm going to believe it with all my heart. I'm going to believe it with all my heart. Number three, Gehazi goes, I'm going to give you these last two, went on ahead and held Elisha's stick over the child, and there was no sign or any other sign of life. You know what that means? No sound. He wasn't speaking or any other sound of life. No retina moving, no breath. He wasn't just dead. He was dead, dead. How many people know there's dead? And then there's dead, dead. Like you see an action, you watch an action movie and you watch somebody get shot and you be like, 
He did. But then you watch him get in the car, turn the key, and it blow up. Arms fly over the, everywhere. You're like, he dead, dead. You know what I'm saying? Do you have anything in your life that's not just dead, but dead, dead? If so, I know a God who's good at bringing things back to life. And not just dead things, even dead, dead things. You know what I thought was dead, dead? My love life. Before I met Liz, I was single for three years. And every time I tell that story, somebody's like, oh, man of God. I'm like, it wasn't by choice. <laughs> Why you? Nobody liked me <laughs> for three years. And I remember I was just starting to accept it, you know? I was like, I'm going to be that pastor, like the single one with 20 cats. January 2007, we're on a fast. Three days absolute, nothing but water. I go to the altar. My pastor's wife comes over, lays hands on me. My pastor's wife, who, who I didn't know, but would, is the sister of my wife that I wouldn't know. I didn't know her at that point. She lays her hands on me. She goes, JJ, I just fit to tell you, by this time next year, you're going to meet your wife. You're going to have her. You're going to be engaged. You know what I said? Oh, no. Please. For three years, I had hope. I just let go of this thing. Don't tell me that. I don't want it. I'm good. I'm going to be me and Jesus. That's my man right there. I love him. We're going to go on dates together every Valentine's Day. I'm going to go on a service. Me and him have a service. It's going to be good. I don't need it. I don't want it. She said it's going to happen. Sure enough, I met Liz in February. For six months, she tortured me. We started dating September, August, around there, October. Around there. That Christmas, remember January, I'm thinking I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life. That Christmas, I put a ring in a box, in a box, in a box, in a box, in a box. She opens up the present, I'm on one knee. Now I'm engaged. 12 months ago, I was ready to be single for the rest of my life. Come January, that time next year, I was engaged. We got married in October, the year later, October 2008. But in, if you'd have asked me in January 2000, I'm just telling you, there's things in your life that seem dead, dead right now. But talk to me in 12 months when you look back to this moment right here. This is going to be one of those YouTube sermons. If you're watching online, you better archive this. You better save this. You better put a little bookmark on this thing right here. Because 12 months from now, the thing that you've been praying for, the thing that you thought was impossible, the thing you thought God could never do, he's going to do it and when he does you better give him the glory you better give him the praise because he's going to resurrect what you thought was gone forever here's the last one here's the last point here's the last point so so forget about how dead it seems that was the point <laughs> but here's the fourth point here's the first point let's go to the verse when Elisha arrived he went alone into the room and saw the body lying dead on the bed he closed the door and prayed to the Lord next verse then he laid down on the boy placing his mouth eyes and hands on the boy's mouth and eyes and hands and as he lay stretched out over the boy the boy's body started to get warm. Next verse. Elisha got up, walked around the room, and then went back again and stretched. Somebody say stretched himself over the boy, and the boy ceased seven times, and then opened his eyes. This dead, dead boy just came back to life. Why did he come back to life? Because Elisha was willing. 
I think the miracle comes after the stretch. You got to be willing to stretch. What was so special about a stretch? Nothing other than it took Elisha out of his comfort zone. Other than it was a little weird. Can we all be honest? That's like super weird. If I had walked in on that, I'd have been like, uh-uh, get off. You weirdo, get off right now. But God told him something and he obeyed it even if it was weird and even if it was uncomfortable and even if other people wouldn't understand it and it was because of his obedience. I wish that there was something weird that no one else could understand that would stretch us that we could do for the next 21 days. That'd be dope. I mean, if there was just something we could do that people would laugh about and nobody would make sense, but they don't know what we know and, and they don't have the faith that we have, but, but if they had the faith that we have, they would understand that we're willing to go out beyond our comfort zone because we need this thing to come back to life. And we said by this time next year, oh wait, there is something we could do that would stretch us, that is uncomfortable, that would be bothersome, that would be weird, that wouldn't make sense to anyone else. Fasting. I believe fasting is the stretch for this time next year. And I want to invite you to join me on it. And you can do it in four easy ways. Number one, there's different types of fast. It's an absolute fast. I don't recommend this for everybody. For some people, this is drinking just water or liquids for 21 days. I've done this before. This is the kind of fast I start out my fast with. It's not recommended for everybody. Make sure you check with a doctor. Why would we do this? Why are we starving ourselves? It's not that we're starving ourselves. We're replacing everything that we need in our lives with the only one that we really need. And when he fills that void, that's when things start to happen. That's what fasting is. It's saying, I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to connect right here. Second fast is a lot more accessible. This is called a selective fast. This is where you choose what to eat and what not to eat. So like let's say you really love meat, if you're like a carnivore, you might say, hey, for 21 days, no meat. I'm going to just do vegetables and grains and that's it. That's good. If you're a vegetarian, that's not going to help you. You know, so maybe you just give up vegetables, you just eat just meat for 21 days. You just, just go to McDonald's, order a triple cheeseburger and be like, I'm fasting. Blah, 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 blah. Or you say no sweets, you know, or whatever. But it has to hurt a little bit. All right? Don't fast something that you don't care about. Don't fast broccoli. We all know you don't care. Third, partial fast. This is time-wise. You say, I'm going to eat from sunset to sunrise. But as the sun is up, I'm not going to eat. It's a midday fast, also known as a Jewish fast. Muslims also uh, practice a type of fast like this. And it's a time thing. And you say, from this time to this time, I'm going to eat. And from this time to this time, I'm not going to eat. It's also known as intermittent fasting. It's a fitness term. I'd encourage you to do that uh, if it's feasible. Sometimes you can't get all the things you need from the grocery store to, to do a selective fast. So a partial fast might be, a lot of people in church are doing one meal a day. That's a partial fast. And, um, but they are going in on that one meal. They're going 3,000 calories in that one meal. <laughs> Um, that could be yours. And here's the last one. Here's the one that I think anybody can join us on, really, no matter where you are in your spiritual walk. Because we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. It's kind of why we started this church. So no matter where you were in your faith, you could start, you know? A soul fast. Here's a soul fast. A soul fast is say, I'm going to stop digesting, not the food that I put in my belly, but the junk that I put into my soul. And so all this Instagram, Twitter, for 21 days, I'm going to just free myself from social media for 21 days. I'll tell you, you'll be a different person. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's streaming television. 
For 21 days, I'm going to give up television for 21 days. For 21 days, I'm going to lay down, I don't know. Um, <laughs> one year, somebody came up to me in the lobby. He said, Pastor, I don't know, I'm going to lay down for 21 days. I said, why? He said, weed. I was like, more power to you, bro. I think that's a good thing to fast. <laughs> I think that's a good thing to fast. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't medicinal, if you're wondering, okay? It was not. He, he, he laid it down. And, hey, maybe you need to give up drinking for 21 days. Just give up alcohol for 21 days. See what God would do in your life for 21 days. And now here's the two things you need to know about a fast. One, if you're going to give it up, you've got to replace it with something else, okay? So if you're going to not eat, Take that time to not eat. You listen to worship music. Meditate. Some of us freak out if it's too quiet for too long. You know? We're like, what? What was that? Huh? No? Okay. You know? Worship. Pray. Read the Bible. Join us. Wednesday, 7 p.m. And the second thing, and we're going we're gonna to end with this, and I'm going to ask you to stand in a second. You got to attach your fast to something tangible. There needs to be something you're fasting for. So what are you fasting for? And I think it should be whatever the end of this sentence is. By this time next year, that's what you should be fasting for, for 21 days. Amen? Stand on your feet. I want to close off today in worship. And I want to pray for you. I want you to get that thing in your mind, that thing that you're asking God to deliver you from or heal you from. That prayer that is bold, that is scary, that is dangerous, that ice faith, that firm. I'm asking you to have firm faith for the next 21 days. Fluid faith is good. We need to have fluid faith. But I'm asking you to have firm faith by this time next year. Are you ready to ride, y'all? Come on, if we're going to carry the Bible, we might as well believe it. I said, are you ready to ride? No, I'm tired of walking. I'm getting ready to skate on this thing. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. Come on, if you feel comfortable, lift up your hands. Let's pray. If you feel comfortable, Father, we love you. And we pray, my God, right now that you would begin to hear our prayers, that you would hear our soul. You know what we need. You know what we need. You see the dead things in our life that need resurrecting. Come on, in Jesus' name, by this time next year, that thing will come back to life. Come on, the, the marriage you thought was over. By this time next year, God's going to restore it. Come on, the business you thought was over. By this time next year, God's going to be flourishing that day. By this time next year. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.